I'm Alex Millers. And I'm Tai Fu. And we are approaching and... the end of the regular season. Um, oh, were you going to say something? Yeah. You know what? I thought, you know, might, might as well switch it up this week. Because, yeah, you sure. talk about the end of the regular season, we're approaching, and we what we've the, the one finish line that we have crossed is the end of the fantasy hockey season. Um, and oh, I thought, course. you know what? Let's just take my nice little victory lap at the top of the episode. Because, uh, as we've mentioned, it was me versus Alex in the finals of our fantasy league. Uh, and, yeah, as you might have figured it out by now, by the fact that I'm the one taking the victory lap, uh, I, I took a big dub. Uh, and team name Jack Johnson, just incredible name, um, has been crowned champion of uh, Brendan Gallagher. Uh, and so by a score of 455 to 418. And so, uh, yeah, I thought I'd shout out some people. I'd like to shout out Jack Johnson first and foremost for giving me permission to use his name for my fantasy team and also giving me good Directly. vibes all season. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I tweet. I, I asked him for permission. He said okay. Uh, I'd like to shout out uh, Mika Zibanejad, uh, on whom I used most of my waiver money and ended up being an absolute stud both throughout the season, but also in finals week. Second leading scorer, baby. Let's go. And then let's shout out the number one leading scorer, uh, Connor McJesus, one hundred points uh, in the real life, but in fantasy, almost hundred points just in the last two weeks. This man uh, dragged me the entire season. Well, not dragged. I had a wonderful supporting cast. But he was, you know, the head honcho. And uh, couldn't have done it without him. And so uh, I'd like to shout him out. And so, yeah. And I'd also like to shout out, of course, my wonderful opponents, including you, Alex. A gracious bunch of people to allow me to win like this. To allow you to. Yeah. Um, no offense to anyone else besides the two of us who we were playing with, but I made so many idiotic transactions throughout the entire season. It's pretty much a miracle I ended up in the finals anyway. I think I mentioned I was the five seed out of 12, and the top six made it into the playoffs, so I was an underdog heading in, and I managed to make it all the way to the finals, including defeating the one seed on the way there. Um, but I think the, the the move, the decision that really sunk me at one point in the season, I had a bun- my, my defense was decimated by injuries, and I made a desperation move. I traded Kirill Kaprizov for Ryan Ellis, and of course, that, that was uh, even worse than I imagined it could possibly be. I was thinking, oh, maybe, you know, rookies sometimes tend to slow down as the year goes on. The opposite happened with Kirill Kaprizov. He got better and better. He said, I think he had like 47 fantasy points this week or something. So absolutely terrible decision on my part. And I learned my lesson next year, not making any trades at all. Exactly. That sounds that sounds like a brilliant strategy for fantasy hockey. And yeah, so I have the bragging rights for the next calendar year, basically, or until the next season ends. And so, you know, I'll enjoy my time here at the top. Uh, who knows how long it'll last. All right. So now that that's behind us, there was a whole bunch of stuff uh, as the regular season winds down. Uh, and let's start with the Habs. And so, uh, you know, they had a nice little win streak going when we were talking last episode. Uh, that has kind of petered out, to say the least. Uh, and so, yeah, one and three. Uh, and, you know, wonderful first win. Cole Caulfield. Let's start there. Uh, scores yet another goal in overtime. Two games in a row. Absolutely so, so clutch. Uh, the Habs tying it up late in the game, too, in regulation. And, uh, yeah, that game right there, so important to get those, to get even one point. But then to get both, uh, 
combined with, you know, Calgary and Vancouver completely shitting the bed as they do. Uh, and, you know, despite the losses that came later in the week, the Habs are essentially clinched a playoff spot. They only need, you know, one slip up from each of the teams or they get one point in the rest of the season. Yeah, uh, we have to ask the question. Cole Caulfield has played in two overtimes in his entire NHL career, and he's scored in both of them. Is Cole Caulfield the greatest overtime player and thereby the clutchest player of all time? I think the answer is clearly yes. And I don't even think we have to entertain the other side of this debate. But yeah, so Montreal is looking like they will be the final team to clinch a playoff spot. All four spots in all other divisions are wrapped up with Nashville clinching with their win over the Carolina Hurricanes yesterday. Uh, and Montreal could, as you say, they at one point in the next four games or neither of Calgary or Vancouver wins out. Montreal is in. So they'll be playing the Maple Leafs in the first round. I think we can pretty much guarantee that. And I've got to say, uh, there's no secret a couple of weeks ago, uh, we kind of, you know, hit a low point in terms of like uh, optimism with the Canadians. It was at pretty much an all time low. And I, I think pretty much we stand by everything we said that episode. However, I do want to say that Cole Caulfield's mere presence here uh, is making this much more enjoyable. Uh, there was a long stretch, especially those those games against the Flames. I think they had three in a row. They were absolutely boring. Uh, right before Cole Caulfield showed up, where I was like, uh, you know, watching this team feels like such a such a chore. And I think that I would still still feel that way if not for the fact that every time I see number twenty two on the ice, I think, oh look, it's Cole, and I feel better immediately. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you know, who knows what playoff Cole Caulfield is gonna bring if regular season Cole Caulfield is already the most statistically most successful overtime scorer in the history of NHL at 100%. Um, you know, I'm very excited for this. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, like, first of all, you know, it, I don't know. You never know. Because the Jets seem to have completely, like, fallen off a fucking cliff recently. Like, what, they're 2-8, two, 2-8 eight, two eight in the last 10. And so, you know, they're only, I know they, they have a game in hand on the Habs, and they're really, really, the season's really drawing to a close here, running out of games. But you never know. You, you know, you win a couple, and then the Jets lose out. It's possible is what I'm saying. But yeah, in all likelihood, we're playing the Maple Leafs. And uh, yeah, to say I don't like the matchup is uh, is an understatement. You know, yeah, it's, it's a pretty terrible matchup. Uh, the, the Leafs are clearly, they've already clinched the division. Clearly the best team in the division in Canada. Uh, just talent-wise, but also they just, you know, like successful vibes coming from the Maple Leafs this season. Uh, it just seems like they've kind of figured it out in many phases of the game, especially the goaltending with uh, Jack Campbell. And so, yeah, it's scary. Um, but you know, I think, I think the Habs will put up a fight. Uh, I think, you know, Cole Caulfield plays into it. I think hopefully if they can get like, well, how many freaking people, how many like top nine fours do they have injured right now? Like three dudes plus Paul Byron. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can get at least two of those guys back. Uh, and I don't know. I think they can make it interesting. Do I expect them to win? Absolutely not. Uh, I think, you know. The most likely thing is six games. But at least, you know, uh, make it 2-2 and then lose two in a row. I'd be happy with that. My expectations are the fucking floor. This team is built very poorly, as we uh, mentioned repeatedly. But, you know, it's good to hope for a little bit. I hope for six games instead of five or four. Very nice. Yeah, uh, I really don't see them uh, passing Winnipeg now, especially with this little three-game losing streak the Habs have just gone on. Um, they are two points behind the Jets, and the Jets have the one game in hand, so Montreal would have to uh, win both their last games against the Oilers, and the Jets would have to lose all their last three, pretty much, because the Jets, as it stands, 
um, they do have the tiebreaker of regulation wins, 22 to 20. So Montreal would have to have more points than the Jets in order to pass them. So I think it's, I, I'll give it probably around a, a 96% chance there. That's my smart math odds that we're looking at Habs versus Leafs. And I think it is uh, very indicative of, of our expectations that your best case scenario is, oh, if they can be tied, a tied series 2-2 after four games, then you'll call it a success. Uh, and yeah, I think that's accurate. On the other hand, though, um, not not to get anyone's hopes up or anything, it does feel somewhat similar to how we were feeling heading into their series against the Penguins last year in the bubble. And of course, that is a very different circumstance. And of course, there's the fact that just because they were the underdog once and won, uh, doesn't mean that it's more likely to happen again. In fact, you could even argue that with with regression or whatever, it's even less likely. Uh, but Obviously, I think the big X factors here are whether Brennan Gallagher and especially Philip Dano come back. Um, Shea Weber, in terms of on ice, how it impacts the Canadians, as we talked about last week, I'm less concerned about that. I don't think he moves the needle an extreme amount in the positive direction for Montreal, especially compared to a player he'd be bumping out of the lineup, probably either John Merrill or Brett Kulak. And uh, with Carey Price... I mean, yeah, obviously he has a great track record in the playoffs. Jake Allen has been extremely solid. And to be honest, if Carey Price is in there instead of Jake Allen, am I more confident in their chances? A little bit. Um, not an incredible amount. I don't think it, it, it definitely doesn't make them the favorites or anything. Uh, and, I, and I don't think I would like change a prediction because of it. I really think it's Brennan Gallagher especially, their best forward. All you have to do, you have to look at their record when he's in the lineup versus when he's out of the lineup. And you see that it's an absolute world of a difference that he makes. He's their best forward. He's a, a dominant five-on-five forward. I think he's been like top five and five-on-five goals in the NHL over the last five years. Uh, something really incredible like that. And Philip Dano. That's a really big loss. Uh, if uh, He has a concussion. I don't know how long he'll be out for. Concussions obviously can be very serious. He could even be out for the rest of the season. We don't have any information on that. If he is, that's a massive loss. Uh, because really, I think throughout his entire tenure here, he has been kind of unsung. Um, by all defensive metrics that I've managed to take a look at, he's among the best defensive forwards in the entire NHL. We're doing our some uh, mock awards ballots later in the show. We didn't do the Selkie, but if we did, I would definitely have him in uh, in my top five. Yeah, so, I mean, like, and then you look at the depth chart without Philip Dano. I mean, you talk about all the depth or whatever at center. Uh, it's pretty fucking thin, especially when you consider that Eric Stahl absolutely stinks. Uh, he's washed, as we've said multiple times, but now he's your third line center. Um, with Jake Evans on your fourth. And so, you know, Suzuki, Kakanyemi, right? You you don't have, like, an established center anymore it, throughout the lineup. And so that, that becomes quite problematic. Um, and so hopefully, you know, Daryl can get healthy. Do we have, a do we have like, a timeline on when the playoffs will start, like, first round? That's a very good question. Um, I imagine it won't be until after the entire regular season is done. So that's even those extra Canucks Flames games. Um, that are going to be played out until I think May 19th is the last one because neither one of those teams will be in the playoffs. Most most likely, uh, it'll probably start like the day after would be my guess. And I know even the even the Leafs have a game scheduled for, I think, like this coming Friday. So we're probably at the very least a week and a bit away. Okay, so that, you know, that's... That's good time for both, you know, the the injured players, but also 
this team looks fucking gassed. Holy crap. I mean, you talk about the last three games. Uh, like, it kind of looks like they mailed it in after, like, winning against the Leafs in overtime. And, like, you know, they basically clinched the playoff spot at that point. Uh, and they're like, yeah, fuck it. Because the way they played against us, first of all, the Sens. Oh, my God, am I freaking glad that we don't have to play the Sens anymore this season. Because, uh, yeah, that was miserable. Every single game you watched, it was even when they won. It was just, it made me sad watching. I just wanted to turn it off. Uh, and, you know, they didn't even win that often. They just kept losing. And then to lose like that, it's like the cherry on top of the shit Sunday, um, you know, is incredible. I can't believe 5-1 to the goddamn Senators. They stink. There's nobody worth a damn on their roster. Um, well, you know, well, with some small exceptions, basically. That roster stinks. And to lose like that, uh, yeah, just fucking throw it in the trash. Forget about it. Uh, and then, you know, the Leafs came in and... That was the kind of game, you know, with the expectation. You know, frankly, I look at the Habs, and, like, sometimes I'm surprised they score at all sometimes. You know? Just like, <laughs> oh, they scored a goal. I'm fucking shocked. Um, you know, like, honestly. <laughs> wow. Especially after games like that. You know, like, you know, I, I, like when they went up 2-0 last night, I was like, oh, I didn't know they could do that. After, you know, losing so badly to the Sens of the Leafs back-to-back. Um, like, holy crap, was it embarrassing? Like, I don't know what, was it 4-0 at the end of the first or something like that? It was just like, I always thought the Habs didn't know what the hell they were doing. And like, you know, if the entire playoff series is like that, you know, frankly, I won't be that surprised. I'll be miserable, but I, I can't say I'll, I'll be surprised because, you know, the Leafs team just like seems like another class, you know, on another level to this lowly, mediocre Habs team. Uh, and then, you know, last night, it was like, okay, we lost twice in embarrassing fashion. I, I guess we might as well show up for 20 minutes this time. Uh, and then, you know, they played a wonderful first period, up to zip, and then it was like, all right, that's it, we're done here, uh, let's mail it in. Because uh, the, the, the next 40 minutes were completely miserable. It was just all Leafs, and it did not surprise me that the Habs did not score for the rest of the game. Uh, and so, and you know, Jake Allen wasn't particularly sharp, but then again, you know, the whole team wasn't particularly sharp past the first intermission. So, you know, just, it looks like this team is tired, and I can't blame them. Because A, the injuries, holy crap, the injuries, and also the schedule super condensed because of their, their little COVID uh, break that they had earlier. And But uh, yeah, they look fucking gassed. And so, you know, this whole break here of at least a week, I think it'll do them wonders. And, you know, I think it gives them a better shot to maybe even push it to six and, and, and lose in somewhat, you know, uh, lose with dignity, I guess. <laughs> Not to spend too much time on the uh, on the Ottawa Senators, but they've been so good recently that they're actually now, just in terms of points, fifth in the North Division. And if they beat the Flames today, then by points percentage as well, they will be fifth. Uh, so Calgary and Vancouver, it's looking like they are both going to finish below the Sens in the standings, which is pretty remarkable after that the absolutely horrible start the Ottawa Senators um, had. And I can't help but think that a lot of it is city with Matt Murray is like, the third or fourth best goalie that this team has like Anton Forsberg, Philip Gustafson. Um, I would probably, I think both of them are better right now than Matt Murray is and Matt Murray's been injured. But anyway, we don't need to talk about them too much. Let's move on over to actually wait before we move off the Habs. And I guess this is a nice segue to the Wilson stuff as well. And all the Rangers things that have gone on is Joel Edmondson's thousand dollar fine. Um, did, did you know that Joel Edmondson is such a menace to society that they have to find him a whole thousand dollars, a whole, like, what's the percentage of his salary? It's incredibly tiny, obviously. Um, but anyway, I think what the NHL department of player safety is thinking is, oh, everyone's so mad at us that, that we're not, we're not strict enough. And they misinterpreted the call for, 
$5,000 to not be the maximum fine. They're like, oh, what if we just fine everyone like $5 and then eventually we'll get up to over $5,000 in punishments. Uh, so that's I, I haven't even seen the trip that Joel Edmondson is getting fined for. I don't know what it's referring to. I wouldn't even be surprised. Even, even John Tavares, the player that he allegedly tripped. I wouldn't be surprised if John Tavares had no idea what trip this is referring to. He probably has other things to think about. Uh, Joel Edmondson, does he know? Maybe. I don't know. Did he have a hearing? I don't know. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see more of these tiny fines just to, for the NHL Department of Player Safety to try and, you know, boost up its reputation. See, oh, we're not lenient. We we make punishments um, over the next, uh, I don't know how long, if we see more more things like this as they try to, you know, rebuild their PR. Yeah, it's yeah, it's completely broken. It this just goes to show how freaking stupid the DOPS is and how they are completely unable to pro- properly discipline the players. I mean, these first of all, the just the fine in general is completely used. Like, it, there's no, it's nothing. It's nothing, right? Like you talk about, like if you were to prorate it over, like you know, your average person salary, it's like five bucks, you know, or whatever, twenty bucks. Like, who gives a damn? You think that's gonna stop them? But not only that, it's like it's so random. It's like it comes out of nowhere. And also, there were like, I'm sure there were like at least ten different infractions that were at par, on par, if not worse than whatever the fuck Joel Edmondson did. Like I, I went and saw the replay. You know, yeah, it was a trip. Yeah, it was dangerous. And sure, you know what? In an ideal world. You know, we cut that out of the game. It was like one of those things, you know, they're both standing in the slot and he like, you know, gives him a whack on the knees and he like, you know, Tavares kind of collapses backwards. And it's very dangerous. Um, and ideally, that kind of that kind of nonsense, which, you know, Edmonton seems to thrive on, is out of the game. But the thing is, it's not. And for some reason, they pick one out of like 20 infractions. Like if you're going to freaking penalize the thing, penalize it consistently don't do it like what's every like whatever how many games and like oh here's a thousand dollars for this random infraction that you know we've all kind of gotten used to watching because it happens so often so you know it just goes to show like what the, they don't know what the hell they're doing and if that's their logic you know like oh we're being more strict uh i'm sure this will please the public like it doesn't it's all nonsense and it's clear even in the dollar amount it's 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 remarkably uh ineffective and so, you know, I don't know what the hell they're trying to do. Are they trying to rehabilitate their PR image? Uh, they're awfully bad at it. They seem they're bad at everything they do, this freaking DOPS. And we'll get into it. We'll get into it with the whole Tom Wilson situation. But yeah, this is just a little, you know, a little appetizer for, for the little the, the DOPS rant. Because, uh, yeah, just these little things. They're little things, yes. But they just goes to show how badly mismanaged this whole organization is. Mm, so the NHLPA... That's kind of this like a big player that people are talking about in this whole uh, DOPS scandal, if we want to use big words that's occurred over the past week. And we do re- both recognize that it kind of has been beaten to death and talked about throughout the entire week because it kind of really blew up on like, what was it, Monday, Tuesday? Uh, it's sort of old news at this point. But of course, what the hockey world has really been waiting for is our insight on, on the matter. So with the NHL exactly. PA, we've mentioned a, we mentioned a couple times that really the main thing that it seeks to protect is not the physical safety or physical health which is something that we talked about quite a bit with uh, the covid protocols and such uh, over the bubble and throughout this year as well that's not their priority their priority is protecting the players financially and that's the reason why the nhlpa is either totally fine with these small fines you're like oh yeah the uh, nhlpa because remember tom wilson's a player as well that we represent and any other goons dangerous players um, these are people we represent 
and we want to make sure that they lose as little money as possible when they bash people's heads into the ice uh, rather than actually protecting our people from getting their heads bashed into the ice. That's their mindset. That's why these fines are so small. So I'm sure everyone's seen the videos at this point. Tom Wilson, game against the Rangers, a week ago, however long ago it was, in the scrum, you know, he shoves Pavel Buchnevich. Uh, his head didn't hit the ice, luckily, but I'm sure that was mostly Buchnevich's doing of, like, you know, trying to resist having his head shoved into the ice and Tom Wilson showing any type of restraint, you imagine. And then, of course, there was the Artemi Panarin stuff that happened moments later. Pulling the hair, absolutely gross, incredibly dangerous. And there there were, of course, you know, multiple people, including, you know, the likes of Ryan Whitney, whoever else, whatever, you know, whatever scrubs, probably like the Brandon Pruss type. I don't know if he said anything, but I uh, wouldn't be surprised if he did. You get the idea. Coming to Tom Wilson's defense. And here, here are some things um, that they said. Uh, first of all, is that, oh, you got to know all the other GMs would love to have Tom Wilson on their team. And first of all, I think this is going to be like the fourth week in a row. I'm citing Rachel Dory from Staff and Graph, uh, who actually has worked for the New Jersey Devils, said that she knows specifically of at least two GMs who have told her that they want nothing to do with having Tom Wilson on their team. So that's a lie. Um, Also, uh, there's the fact that if that were true, then, wow, the, the other GMs, uh, need to really look hard at themselves in the mirror and check themselves. And I think it was, oh, who was it? Bonk Smullett who quoted that thing of like, oh, everyone would love to have Tom Wilson on their team. And be like, well, this could actually be read as like a criticism of the fact that hockey doesn't punish these dangerous aggressors. And then, you know, there was the whole Tom Wilson. He went over to the penalty box afterward and like did whatever, like the flex pose. Be like, oh, I'm the, I'm so dominant. Oh yeah, I did knock everyone out of the ice and, and try to murder them. Uh, and, and people were like, oh, look at him go. He's, he's the king of the jungle. That was the funny one that was known around. Someone calls him the, the, the king of the jungle. And then one, one thing that was kind of most talked about, we'll get into the DOPS, but people were like, uh, oh, I don't have a problem with Tom Wilson. I have a problem with the Department of Player Safety because it should be their responsibility to punish him appropriately. And that's absolutely right. It should be the Department of Player Safety's job uh, to punish him appropriately and really strongly discourage this type of behavior, which they failed at 100%. And we're going to get to that. But before we move on from Tom Wilson himself, just because this type of behavior, these type of, you know, beating people up, uh, you know, almost killing them, or not almost killing them, but doing these really dangerous things, just because this might help you win doesn't excuse it at all in my mind. And I find, for whatever reason, a lot of people, that seems to cloud their vision. It's almost like, oh, if they keep, if they let him get away with it and helps him win, why wouldn't he do it? And I just want to call Tom Wilson's character into question. No one seems to want to do it. I'll do it. If you're really willing to concuss or, you know, throw people, pull their hair, if you're going to do that just to win a hockey game, especially a, a game where your team has already clinched a playoff spot, if you're willing to, you know, put other people in danger just to help your hockey team, then I will call your character into question and ask you to to, to re-examine your priorities. Yeah, I mean, look, he's a predatory asshole. Uh, there's no other way to put it. I mean, he shows it time and time again, a flagrant disregard for, you know, the health and safety of his opponents. And, you know, it's time that the DOPS see that, you know, this is like you come on, you can't possibly like evaluate his every single one of his infractions in a vacuum. No, it's guy we, we freaking talk about this guy every two months because he did some heinous shit where it was clear that he didn't give a damn about the other guy that he was hitting. And he didn't care about their safety, he didn't care about their brain health, uh, and he just caved them in. Uh this guy is, you know, it's it's clear and obvious that 
Uh, he's just absolute fucking caveman of a person. All right, just it's remarkable. I, I and he should be out of the league. Fuck it, man. Um, you know, like this kind of person. Like I have no fucking time for this kind of bullshit. And yeah, he just he's just a fucking asshat. Um, and a dangerous one at that. And for some reason, I don't understand how you could possibly defend this bullshit. I don't understand. Like, how do you not look at the long ass record of Tom Wilson? Like, going out and seemingly, well, not seemingly, but willingly, right? Going out and putting these, you know, injuring these people. Injure, injure, injure. All the freaking time. Uh, and then every single time we act like, oh, but, you know, uh, maybe we'll suspend him this time. You know, it's like, don't we just want this guy out of our game? Is this what we really want as a representative? Is this the people, like, is this the person, is this, is this the type of person that we want to go, oh, yeah, quality power forward, or whatever the fuck you want to say. Ah, he contributes to the team culture. Yeah, no, get the hell out of here. Uh, it's all bullshit, you know what I mean? Like, and it just, it makes no sense. And, and then, and then all the people, all right, I have beef with this part of the whole conversation. Um, you know, like, the game after, because it just happened with all these back-to-backs, right? Like, the next night, it was what the Capitals against the Rangers again, and then you know they didn't they didn't and we'll get into you know how the DOPS didn't suspend him, but they didn't suspend him. This guy was there, and then what they had like uh, I don't know fucking six fights in the first like five minutes of the game. It was a complete shit show, and then all these people online who are like, oh, but you can't deny that you're watching it. It's good for the game. Yeah, bullshit. It's good for the game. Uh, there, I don't I don't know how you could possibly argue that. Um, like. Like, what? Oh, okay, you got a bunch of people to watch a clown show for five minutes, and, and now all of a sudden you're patting yourself on the back? Like, come on. That's a complete fucking joke. Uh, and, you know, like, what's the, I, the the analogy I saw online a lot in response to these kind of morons were like, well, you know, people tend to, you know, like, that lots of people just, like, you know, watch videos of, like, natural disasters and all that. But doesn't mean we want natural disasters to be happening left and right. And you can absolutely apply to this. You know, we watch some fighting. And sure, you know, I get the appeal. It is entertaining, I guess, for some people. Not for me, personally. That's not what I watch hockey for. But I, I get that people do. Um, But, you know, like, in terms of game growth, I mean, like, you might watch the fighting... But, like, you know, you might watch the natural disaster, but you're not fucking sending your kid into the tornado, right? So, like, in terms of, like, growing the game, <laughs> it's not it's not a good thing. There's no, it's like, it's not good for the game, you know? Like, parents don't want to send their kids into a game. We're like, okay, let's, all right, drop the puck. Now we're going to beat each other's brains in, uh, like, a, like an absolute cloud show. It makes no sense. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, from that aspect, like, it drove me insane. How can you possibly argue it's good for the game? Like, oh, it's dry, guys. Like, congratulations, you got five minutes of viewership. Like, is that what you <laughs> Ah, please like my sport. You know, like, it is all bullshit. Every single time the NHL has, like, a big pop culture moment, especially in the United States, it's because uh, it's making a total fool out of itself. Um, you you might remember the, the SNL skit. The SNL skit. Sketch. Skit. Wow. Sketch. I was trying to say, is it a skit or a sketch? Anyway, the SNL skit, or whatever you'd like to call it, from a couple years ago, uh, with, with Brady Shea and the guy who was like, let's do that hockey. And the NHL fans couldn't stop talking about it. They were so amazed. Like, wow, Saturday Night Live actually acknowledged the existence of the NHL, totally, totally ignoring the fact that the entire joke was that no one knows anything about hockey in the United States and that some of the players' names are hard to pronounce. 
And it's a similar thing here. Every time there's no a big fight, they were talking about it on what was it, Jimmy Fallon. I get up, I get the Jimmy's mixed up. Jimmy Fallon, he was like, "Oh, look at this Capitals penalty box." It was like a white guy vending machine, which I'll be honest was uh, somewhat funny. But every single time, you know, the NHL works its way into the mainstream, it's because they made a total fool out of themselves. And uh, here, citing another popular hockey podcast, on the Steve Dangle podcast, he said um, that. If, if one random, you know, Devil's Sabres Tuesday night game that no one would otherwise be watching, the NHL decided that, oh, uh, instead of using hockey sticks, everyone's playing with rubber chickens. Uh, of course, everyone's going to tune in and watch the NHL make a total fool out of themselves again. But just because you do have a spike in viewership for one night, that doesn't grow the game. And if you have, even if you do have someone, some casual fan who's like, oh, the Capitals and Rangers might have like brawls tonight. Let me tune in and watch. Oh, look, they're fighting. You're not going to stick around to watch that in the long term. That's not going to help anyone fall in love with the game. And if it does, that type of thing happens maybe once a season. So you're definitely not going to stick around if you're just waiting to to fight people. So that logic 100% doesn't track. Um, Moving on to the DOPS itself. uh, Have you ever seen the movie Hairspray? Because I just thought of this analogy while you were talking a minute ago. No, I have not. I know nothing about it. All right. Okay, I'll spare you the details, but basically it takes place in the 60s and there's this this racist white woman uh and at, at the end she gets like kicked off. I think it's like the, the like the production team on some dance show for being racist. And then it's like, "Oh, you you well, it's okay because you racist white woman got a job as like the top of or like some head important person at like a, a, a beauty company and she's like yay and it's like a beauty company for black women and she's like no and it's supposed to be funny but what a lot of people pointed out was that how unfair is it to black women that they have a racist white woman controlling all their beauty products i think this analogy serves very well to george peros being put in charge of the department of player safety why are you having the man who made a career in the NHL of doing the most dangerous things that hockey players do in the NHL, who, by the way, also runs a, a, a what was like a clothing company called Violent Gentleman. How, you're not even trying to hide the fact that you don't care about player safety when you put him in charge of deciding what's safe and what isn't. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's yeah, they're not even being subtle about it. But like, you know, George Peros, yeah, he's basically, you know, he's a symbol for how like corrupt, like morally bankrupt this whole, you know, Department of Player Safety. Uh, like, you know, the player safety is almost ironic. It's like, why the hell do you even have it in the name? Uh, I'd expect a name change at one point uh, because, yeah, that's all PR. And that's, you know what, that's what it all is. The whole thing is just a bunch of PR management. It has nothing to do with player safety. I mean, look, if they wanted to, if the league wanted to cut down on, on, you know, cut down on this kind of bullshit and actually punish the players, they would. And they wouldn't have George Peros at the head. It's as simple as that. They'd fire him. Um, but the active decision to have this guy there. And you know what? I can't, you know, I, I do blame George Peros for being an asshat, but... You know, I can't blame him, you know, for being bad at his job, I guess, in a sense. Well, you know, he does blame, bear some of the blame, but he doesn't bear all of it because, you know, when you fucking look at his CV, it's glaringly obvious that this is not the guy who is going to be, you know, tough on the enforcers. All right. Like you could tell from the get go. And that's because the NHL's attitude is, uh, yeah, we'll do the bare minimum because it's because they're really being, you know, controlled by these owners and the GMs. 
who don't want to be inconvenienced by such thing as, you know, oh, Tom Wilson is suspended. Now he can't, you know, play for the Washington Capitals. Uh, so, you know, we don't want that to happen. So we got to minimize the suspensions. That's what it really is. Uh, and, you know, it, they'll, they'll do the very bare minimum to kind of look like they're sort of caring. And they don't pull it off particularly well. I mean, what was it? Who Like the Tom Wilson hit on Brendan Carlo was like, it initially like Perils didn't want to fucking suspend the guy, uh, which is completely mm-hmm. absurd. And then they had to stay like, it's like, it's all just like, you know, oh, here's a fine. Here's a fine. $5,000. It's all like, you know, it's all like everybody makes a mockery out of it. Like before, you know, before what, like the, the punishment or, you know, the quarter in air quotes punishment, because it was just a fine was announced for Wilson. You know, people are like, aha, they're going to come out with a statement like, oh, Tom Wilson's going to, has been hit with the maximum, blah, blah, blah. But that's exactly what happened. That's how freaking stupid this thing is. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's broken from the very top. This whole league needs to completely reconsider. Like, it's clear that they don't emphasize player safety. Uh, and, you know, the, it's, it's just a whole cultural problem here. Because, you know, like, they're, like say what you will about, you know, some players, some general managers not wanting Tom Wilson. But the problem is, a lot of them do. A lot of them do want mm-hmm. Tom Wilson on their team because they still think, like, you know, we're in the fucking 80s, the 90s. Uh, and that's and, and then not and then those general managers they play a large impact on you know head management of the league who then you know controls the DOPS. So you know this is a whole structural problem and George Paros is absolutely a part of it, but he's really just a figurehead, uh, an absolute a cloud of a figurehead, but a figure a figurehead nonetheless. And so you know when you see, uh, well yeah, and and the whole violent gentleman stuff was before I guess right before he was hired. And so you know you can take a look at the resume and see that this was not the guy for the job if you wanted to do a good job. But the NHL doesn't want to do a good job. They just want to protect their image. And so and protect the image and minimize suspensions. And that's what it is. And yeah, before we before we see any sort of meaningful impact and like, you know, uh, proper suspension, proper discipline, you need to change a, a whole lot. Because, you know, we saw a brief period of it. Like people keep me- like referencing, like, you know, when Brendan Shanahan was the head of the DOPS and he came down, he came in with a vision of, like, you know, let's, let's crack down. Uh, and he seemed like, you know, the right guy for the job. Almost, you know, like for for people like us who believe that you know they should the discipline should be tightened. And he came in, he gave some big suspensions, and then he got pushed back from his bosses. He got pushed back from the NHL, the general managers. They didn't like that, and so you know that just goes to show. And I and I can't possibly imagine that that attitude has changed since you know the hiring of George fucking Peros. So uh, and then you know Shanahan leaves, and then you get a bunch of figureheads after that who I can't even name. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. where we're at. It's just it's it's a whole structural thing that everybody the 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 head of the leagues. They don't want change. They don't want change. They don't care about the player safety. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up the like Shanahan stuff because I was going to bring up that type of thing as well and how I don't see George Peros leaving his post anytime soon. And if he does, if he, I don't know, resigns or gets fired or whatever the case may be eventually, I think someone like him or who quote-unquote punishes or regulates the same way that he does uh, is going to be next in line. Because, as you say, when Brendan Shanahan was in charge uh, and was doing, by all accounts, a great job, you know, he was fair and he punished harshly when it was deserved, uh, which was much more more common than you would think if you're just looking at George Paris's track record. But anyway, yeah, as you say, the GMs didn't like him. And here's why uh, the GMs much prefer, first of all, 
their their job security is what's most important to them. Uh, we track this uh, looking at, you know, how adverse many of them are to risk. Don't want to make any big trades. Uh, don't want to fire your coach until it's absolutely evident that it must be done because you want to hold on to your job as much as possible. Somehow Jim Benning has become the, the best of this. I'm not exactly sure how. But anyway, it's not just about the moves they make of wanting to hold on to their jobs. It's this type of thing too. Because when you have, first of all, Let's talk about the loser point for a second, because that's something that sticks around because the GMs want it to stick around so that they can say, hey, look, uh, we're over 500, uh, so I didn't do that bad, ignoring the fact that, you know, 25 out of 31 teams are over 500 or whatever. And this is the same type of thing. When you have this, this, this artificial sense of parity is helped along when you have guys like Tom Wilson and to a lesser extent, you know, Ross Johnston, Ryan Reeves, these type of players uh, who can, you know, who can get away with a lot of, you know, physical harm that they do want to star players makes it easier to make the gap closer between scrubs and superstars like Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews and Artemi Panarin, for example. And this is that same type of thing, because if you're letting players like Tom Wilson get away with doing what they do without missing any time, all of a sudden, it's way easier for these GMs to acquire scrub players and be closer to the teams with a lot of star-studded talent without getting punished for it. So really, the GMs, they they didn't like Brendan Shanahan because he punished the goons too much. And I know he left to become the president of hockey operations with the Maple Leafs, but I really don't imagine it would have been that much longer before the GMs were like, oh, let's get this guy out of here. He's, he's, he punishes too harshly. Uh, we need to bring in a George Peros type of player. And so I, I imagine that the only way to, to really get rid of this problem would be to somehow take that power away from GMs. And I don't know how you would do it. And I don't really know if you would even want to or could do it uh, without, I don't even know what the NHL would look like if you were like, oh, seizing all power from, from GMs. It's really kind of a, a big mystery. Yeah, it's tough. It's like it's a whole institutional problem at this point. Uh, they're all a bunch of old men uh, and uh, who are like living in the 80s and the 90s when they played or like even the 70s, hell. Um, and so, yeah. Like what the hell are you gonna do? I guess like you know, what we like yeah like we're almost like the the way the NHL is right now like it's really holding itself back in terms of excitement of the you know the product the quality of the product uh you know like players like yeah it really goes down to like you know how the games are officiated it's, it's a whole attitude thing right how the games are refereed you know the penalties and all that and the consistency of the calls and then and then you move on up another level to the uh, to the DOPS and how they're disciplined if they do something even worse than a penalty, right? It's all slanted toward these absolute scrubs uh, who, you know, hook, grab, hold, uh, and then do these vicious things every once in a while and on these star players and then don't suffer the consequences for it. It hasn't been outlawed from the game. It hasn't been even... And, and heck, it's as you said, this artificial parody almost encourages it. It's like... It's like almost like a market inefficiency. Why go find a super talented guy when I can just find, uh, you know, uh, a total meaty, meathead scrub to go fuck him up without any meaningful consequences happening to him? Um, so, and, and, you know, like, or just like pester him on a basis, on a regular basis with the slash and the hook and all that. So, uh, yeah. And it, make the whole, it makes the game suck. It, it, it stinks to watch. You know, like, uh, 
Uh, it would be so much more exciting if we had goals left and right. Goals, goals, goals. And the coaches would hate it, I guess. But, you know, like, why are we limiting the excitement potential of the league? It's completely baffling to me. It's all these freaking old men who just want to save their jobs. And that's the problem. Um, and we'd be a hell of a lot better off without it. Yeah. Now, we haven't even got into, might be my favorite part of this whole situation, uh, the Rangers' statement. And the things that followed soon after, you know what? You know what? This is like a a, a Tiger King situation where all parties involved are absolutely terrible. Uh, I'm sure everyone knows James. Well, it wasn't James Dolan specifically. It was the New York Rangers who came out with the official statement about how disappointed they were that Tom Wilson wasn't suspended indefinitely, and that George Peros is not fit for his role. And then the like next day, Jeff Gordon. John Davidson, that's a GM and well, former GM and former president of hockey operations of the New York Rangers, were fired. And from what we know now, after all the dust has settled, is that James Dolan, owner of the Rangers, first of all, was the, the main reason that statement was made. He was the main driver behind it, uh, which, I mean, it, it definitely is nice to see a strongly worded statement from an NHL team about something important. And as many people pointed out, it would have been very nice to see, uh, at the very least, that same level of passion in defending Keandre Miller when his his Zoom conference at the beginning of the season uh, was somehow filled with uh, a bunch of racist people spamming racial slurs at him. And instead, they got this week, oh, we we condemn racism and we should end racism. Uh, But anyway, um, basically, Jeff Gordon and John Davidson Right after the statement came out, they were they went around. They were telling everyone around the league, other other GMs, other I don't I don't know who. Oh, we didn't know this statement was coming out. We don't agree with it. We think George Peros is doing a great job at you know putting our star player at risk. Uh, and James Dolan fired them immediately. And what we what we know now is that James Dolan was probably going to fire both of them at the end of the season anyway, because for whatever reason he's not happy with how the Rangers rebuild has been coming along. Everyone seems to disagree with him and say that actually looks like it's coming along very nicely, uh, especially, you know, having like three of your most important players, especially, you know, Adam Fox and Artemi Panarin decide they only want to come to your team. Plus also winning two draft lotteries definitely helps out a lot. Uh, but let, let's ignore all that and just look at the Rangers. They've shown tremendous improvement. They're doing a great job. And James Dolan wasn't good enough for him. So he decided to jump the gun and say, I don't want to wait until the end of the year. These guys, they, they don't even have the... The, the decency to support my statement while they're still working for me. So I'll fire them. Uh, it's very interesting. There are a lot of degrees to this situation. What are your main takeaways? Yeah, lots of many degrees of stupidity, it seems, uh, from all parties involved. Yeah, so let's let's go around the table. Like, first of all, it is important to keep in mind that all of these clowns were at the head of the management group when they, you know, decided to take on Tony D'Angelo, take on Brendan Lemire, and have them play for the team. Uh, and market them pretty hard. Um, you know, it's important. So, like, you know, off the bat, we already know these are all pretty fucking terrible people. Uh, and, you know, so, yeah, the, the, the owner, you know, James Dolan, uh, it seems that this guy is a complete incompetent owner. I mean, there's a there's a track record of him being an absolute clown, both as the the uh, owner of the Rangers, but especially as the owner of the Knicks. Uh, this guy is just like you know a petulant man child uh, who I'm pretty sure got all his money from his parents or some shit, inherited a big estate, and then you know invested at the sports teams, and then continued, continued oh, to you know build his build his uh, massive massive ego 
and you know do some random shits, completely mishandling his his hockey teams, and you know it shows and basketball team, and it shows in the results. Neither of those, those teams have been uh, successful at all, to say the least. Um, but yeah, uh, so you know it's, it sure seems like he kind of lucked into the correct position here um, by writing that statement and you know ex- like expressing concern for player safety. Um, you know, more, more than anything, I believe that he doesn't actually genuinely could have a deep rooted concern for the you know brain health and safety of the players but more he's just grumpy that one of his players got you know assaulted essentially and didn't get punished if it was any other team i can't possibly imagine james james dolan would lift a finger or even give a damn um but here we are he found himself on the right side for once and it sure seems like a product of luck uh and you know the other two uh was it their general manager and their president gordon and davidson i mean uh, you got the impression that they were a bunch of buffoons. Uh, and then you talk about the roster construction. Yes, you're right. You know, like, yes, it's looking like that rebuild um, is coming along very nicely. And it is quite confusing to fire them at this stage. But also, as you pointed out, you know, there was a lot of luck involved in terms of, uh, yeah, Fox and Panera going, we're only going to New York. And then the draft letters. So, uh, you know, there there is a fair bit of luck involved. I don't know how good they were as management people, but it is a strange decision to dismiss them now of all times when you're on the up and up. Um, but yeah, they it just, you know, but then going around, you know, like saying like, oh, it just seems like they want to like, they want to keep their spot in the, the, the hockey 200 hockey men bro code kind of thing, you know, like, ah, we're still very much in support of George Paros. We love the physical game. We're out here. We want to build a team, you know, with physicality and all that. And so, you know, and it, yeah, it's just a lot of scumbags. That's what it seems like. Um, and you know, a scumbag squabble is what we got going on here. And yeah, frankly, it's entertaining. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think another interesting thing that James Dolan, I don't know if he said, uh, but someone wrote an article that James Dolan apparently was not happy that the Rangers and that I guess Gordon and Davidson and the rebuild prioritized skill players over will players, which I never heard the term will player ever used before. <laughs> but basically, what I think this is implying is that we can expect the Rangers to to trade. Uh, I don't know who's some some skill player, not like a Panarin, but like a Vitaly Kravtsov, promising prospect for some scrub who's like thirty one years old and can punch Tom Wilson in the face on occasion. Uh, can't wait to see James Dolan absolutely drive this team to the ground. Actually, though, uh, I'm not necessarily sure. I imagine he will have, I don't know, he'll be, we'll be able to shape this team in his image a little more. That seems to be what he wants. But Chris Drury has taken over both those positions. And apparently, by all accounts, he's like, uh, yeah, well, we've done a pretty good job with this rebuild so far, and I'm not going to, you know, guide it onto a totally different track. But anyway, in conclusion on this uh, DOPS discussion, uh, everything's fucked, and we don't see it getting better anytime soon, which makes it that much more impressive that Connor McDavid was able to score 100 points in 53 games, including, what what was it, like 30 in his last 11, which is nearly a three points per game pace over 11 games. He's gotten better and better, scoring at a higher and higher rate as the season has gone on. Um, and this is, I think, as, as it stands, the seventh best point total era adjusted of all time, which is pretty crazy and it's pretty incredible that we're we're living through watching Connor mcdavid play yeah yeah sometimes you just gotta sit back and enjoy it and enjoy the fantasy production he brings but also just enjoy the hockey um, it made it harder yeah, for me yeah, to just, enjoy it i was like yeah. oh no <laughs> three points tonight 
Ah, it's completely fucking insane. Uh, he's he's just so goddamn good. Uh, and it's a damn shame the Oilers can't fucking roster build around him and Drysdale properly. But uh, yeah, you know, having them on the same line, what a fucking treat. You know, like ah, there's so much skill going on, and you know, you get all the. It's just so fun to watch. You know, it makes the Oilers much watch TV. Um, and you know, if there was a way that I could, you know basically have some sort of system where the TV changes channels to the Oilers when they're on the ice. And as soon as they hit the bench, they change the channel. Uh, I would watch <laughs> that channel constantly um, because, you know, the Oilers stink. But, like, you know, aside from McDavid. But McDavid makes the whole team float. Um, uh, yeah, so a bit of a preview for the Hearth, I guess. Uh, yeah, has down. He's not even fucking close. This guy should win the Hearth unanimously. I don't even know why there's any sort of debate. There isn't any. There isn't any. Um, but, yeah, 100 points. Oh, my God. 53 games. What's the pace? Like, 150 points or some shit? Like, holy crap. Uh, that's completely nuts. Um, How many and... games does McDavid have left? Is it two or three? Let's see. Because uh, does he have a chance he to get to twice. like? Yeah, right. And so it's at least he plays two. the Canucks once. So it's three, three. All right, so he has three games left. Let's say he scores, I don't know, eight points in the last three games. All right, which I'm pretty sure is conservative based on his recent pace, and he ends with 108. Looking at the recent Art Ross Trophy winners, who, by the way, all played 82 game seasons except Dreisaitl last year and except, you know, Martin St. Louis in 12 13. Um, he would have as many or more points than himself in 17 18, himself in 16 17, Patrick Kane in 15 16, Jamie Benn in 14 15, uh, Crosby in 13 14. That's five years in a row. Uh, and then Daniel Sedin in 10 11. Uh, so he is outscoring quite a significant amount of the Art Ross winners over the past 10 years or so in 56 games. It is really an insane accomplishment. And you know what? I, I kind of, I really do hope that he scores again at this pace next season, not just because he will have played the Canadians less and not just because he will probably not be on your fantasy team again, but also because seeing a massive number next to someone in this era, like 160 points or something, I don't know. It would be kind of fun. It would be kind of satisfying. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Are you kidding me? We never see that. Uh, and yeah, he's completely ridiculous just bonkers and uh you know all like it's completely baffling like you know as i said there's only one line on that team there's one line on that team and the nobody in the north can figure it out um and like i'm not inclined to believe that the other teams because yeah and not only that it was pointed out like what like they play like all these teams play mcdavid like 10 times in a row and they still couldn't figure it out like what if you have what if you only play him like once in a while and he comes in and he completely tears you to shreds um and then leaves and then you don't see him for a while and then he comes back and tears you to shreds again um like i can't imagine that like oh it's just because he's in the north division and the north division sucks well you know what what we've seen all season is that all of these divisions have multiple teams that are completely ass uh and so you know to to, yeah. to believe that you know he would be uh that this is completely unsustainable well no he keeps playing like this and all indications point to you know he's entering his prime here uh that he absolutely can um like I would not be surprised if he like completely kept it going, just kept it going, and just be completely fucking ridiculous all the time against all the thirty-one other teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, a couple teams actually are finished their seasons now, including Buffalo. They played all fifty-six games and they've locked in last place in the NHL. So a couple weeks ago, and you're like, oh, they might move up to thirtieth. Was not meant to be for the Buffalo Sabers. <laughs> uh, Columbus 
as well. And I think Detroit are a couple of the other teams that have played all 56 games um, and Anaheim now as well. And I'm just checking to make sure that I'm right. I'm pretty sure Columbus and Detroit finished with like almost identical records uh, or not quite, but they both had 48 points in 56 games. And with the tiebreaker, Detroit finished ahead of Columbus. So now just looking at points percentage, reverse standings, we got Buffalo, Anaheim, New Jersey, who still has one game left, Columbus, and Detroit are the bottom five right now. And if Vancouver really has a, a dud last few games, then they, I think, could drop below uh, at least one or two of those teams. Oh, yeah. I, but the reason so- I brought that up was because I wanted to uh, talk about Tortorella getting fired. Uh, not not getting fired, just not coming back to Columbus. Not at all a surprise. John Tortorella did, though, say he still wants to coach. All right. Um, and people are already throwing around like, oh, Buffalo, are they going to bring him in? I mentioned that as a joke a couple weeks ago about how terrible of the fit that would be. Some people are like, oh, what about the, 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 the Rangers? James Dolan wants him to play tougher, so they should bring John Tortorella. That would be an even worse fit than the Sabres, I think, uh, just because of because they do have skill players, and they're a roster that is built around being more of an offensive team. Panarin, Zibanejad, Capocacco, Alexi Lafreniere, of course, uh, and John Tortorella, as we all know extremely well, does not mesh with that style at all. Yeah, I'm just here for the uh, <laughs> Tortorella-Panarin reunion. Uh, we'll see how that turns out. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, look, John, I would also love to coach in the NHL right now. I'm open to that. Uh, <laughs> doesn't mean it's going to happen. Um, and I certainly wouldn't advise, I wouldn't advise hiring me. And I wouldn't advise, I wouldn't advise hiring this idiot. Um, because, uh, yeah, he just, it makes no sense. There's no fit. There's no fit for John Tortorella in this league where it's star-driven. If you want to go anywhere, if you want to go anywhere fast or even anywhere slow, you don't hire John Tortorella. Um, like, it's just, it, you look, look at this, look at this freaking case study in badly managing players. Like, oh my God, how could you possibly look at the Blue Jackets and be like, yeah, that's what we want to hire. What he did was completely drive away anyone worth anything. And then, and anyone who was left, they completely drove their value into the ground on a team that's now worse in the standings than the Detroit freaking Red Wings. That's incredible. Um, that's an incredible accomplishment, frankly. And so, you know, I don't know how this guy would get another job in the age. I'm sure, you know, I'm not saying I'd be shocked. Um, I'm sure somebody would be like, ah, John Tortorella, one of the 200 hockey men. Let's, let's bring this guy on board. Um, you know. One bit, definitely not out of the realm of possibility, but definitely not a smart move. I'll tell you that. Um, and so, you know, John Tortorella, whoever hires him, make your huge mistake. Makes no sense whatsoever. This guy brings nothing to the table except bringing you to like fifth place in the division every year, and maybe you get fourth. Um, so that's it. He's bringing you nowhere else. And to commit this guy is completely asinine. It drives your locker room insane. And yeah, uh, no, get the hell out of here, John Tortorella. I can't imagine. Yeah, it's not a smart move. And I. Don't think, my honest opinion, I don't think anyone will hire him this offseason. Maybe in the future, some team will be misguided. We'll forget about the the horrors of the Blue Jackets present and hire him. But, uh, I mean, look at this track record. Everybody's unhappy, and the team sucks. Uh, that's that's uh, And that's what he brings. Except Michael Delzato. Don't forget, Michael Delzato loves playing for John Tortorella. Uh, Michael, that's his favorite coach. Anyway... Uh, let's move on to our fun little awards ballots before trivia because we're at about 54 minutes right now. Uh, we So Taisei and I each, for fun, and before it's really playoff time, we decided to do some mock awards ballots for four of the most popular awards, the Hart Trophy, the Norris Trophy, the Calder Trophy, and the Vesna Trophy. Uh, and we each picked our top five 
for each of them. We did this activity last year uh, in the, the dead of the long break between the regular season and the bubble uh, when we didn't have much to talk about. But I decided, you know, it might be fun to squeeze one in today, even though we do have some other stuff, uh, because, you know, encourages some friendly debate. Do you have any specific awards you'd like to start with? No, I don't think so. Do you? Um, no, I don't. Let's let's start with the heart because it's pretty much the easiest one at the top, and also it's at the top of my list. Uh, why don't you read your five names off first? Okay, let me just read them through. So number one, I have Connor McDavid, uh, easy, not even close. And I have Matthews, McKinnon. I thought that was like a, a solid top three tier, and then like the next two guys, I was like, who the hell do I even put? Um, I thought about putting goalies, and I was like, eh. Yeah, I'm good. And so I have Sidney Crosby. I saw people clamoring for Sidney Crosby. Throw him a mention. And uh, Mark Stone. Uh, just all around great player. All right. Our, our lists are extremely similar, though not identical. We do have the same top three. McDavid, Matthews, McKinnon. Uh, McDavid at number one. Quite easy, of course. But, you know, to be honest, this might be slightly controversial. I think the gap between McDavid to Matthews uh, in terms of heart worthiness is smaller than, first of all, than many people are making it out to be, and also smaller than the gap from Matthews to, Mc, to McKinnon. Uh, because, I mean, people are talking about it, but it has been slightly overshadowed by McDavid's insane point pace, especially as of late. That Austin Matthews is uh, scoring at the highest goal per game rate right now than has been seen since, like, Mario Lemieux 2001 or something crazy like that. He's on, like, a, a 66 goal pace or something crazy like that. So that's a, a definitely a very worthy number two. And in many other years, it would be a worthy Hart Trophy winner. Making it number three, yeah. I actually do have a goalie here. I put Andre Vasilevsky at number four. Um, in, in a lot of years, you know, like, uh, oh, you can't have anyone in the Lightning win, even though Kucherov did win quite, rec- quite recently, because, you know, they're all helping each other out. You can't have Vasilevsky win the heart because he's got, you know, such a stacked team in front of him. Um, but now, this year, it's a little different. Not just because Kucherov's been out the whole time and Stamkos has missed a big chunk, and Victor Hedman has uh, not been anywhere close to the top of his game. And Andre Vasilevsky, meanwhile, has still has a, a ridiculous stats, a ridiculous win record. Um, I think he's worthy of that fourth place vote. And we both have Mark Stone at number five. So nice. Very, we have the exact same one, two, three, five, just different pick at number four. All right. Okay. So very nice. Not much debate to be had there. It's pretty straightforward. And yeah, but you know, McDavid Matthews, I mean, Matthews even like McDavid has even worked on his fucking defense. He's good at defense now. So, uh, you know, he put that, if like, you know, McDavid played with the defensive abilities of last year, McDavid last year, then maybe we're talking like, oh, what the hell do we do? Because Matthews is, uh, at, at that point, Matthews would be significantly better defensively. Uh, and so he'd be a much more well-rounded player. But, you know, McDavid becoming better at defense and then doing this ridiculous bullshit with like 100 points in 53 games. Um, yeah, you can't not put McDavid, I don't think. But, you know, I, I see the argument for Matthews. It's, But yeah, he does belong in the discussion. All right, moving on. Um, let's go to the Norris. Okay, so I'll just I'll read through my list. Um, I have at the top the guy everybody's been clamoring for apparently the name I keep seeing Adam Fox, uh, and then I have Kale McCarr, followed by Victor Hedman, followed by Charlie McAvoy, and fifth of all I threw him a bone. Probably doesn't deserve it, but I you know what I'll put a homer in. I have Jeff Petrie fifth pick. Very interesting. Okay, so oh, you're going with Hedman. All right. Uh, I was I'm not not as the winner, but as number three. Um, okay, I'll I'll read you my list first. I got Adam Fox number one as well. Uh, I want to cite 
a really funny graphic that I'm looking for right now that Dom Lecician posted a week or two ago comparing Adam Fox this season to Victor Hedman this season. Because, you know, a lot of people are, are a lot of times will talk about like, uh, oh, uh, you, the Norris Trophy, that's not a points award. Just because you're leading in points uh, doesn't mean you should win it. Uh, which we saw last year with John Carlson, who had an incredible offensive season, didn't win the Norris Trophy. But when it's someone who has a, a already great reputation, like Victor Hedman, who's near the top in points, then all of a sudden it appears to become uh, something of a different discussion. And the graphic that I'm, st- I'm still looking for, but can't find, um, I'll send it, it to was you. basically... Is it this one? Wait, I'll, I'll send it to you. I, I sent you something, a picture on WhatsApp. I'm asking if this is the... Oh, okay. If you think it is, uh, then that's probably the one. Oh, is it the X's oh. and the checkmarks? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I got it. Um, it's really funny. So basically, for anyone who didn't see, it's like uh, leads all defensemen in points, and it's the check mark next to Fox and the X next to Headman, and it's things like uh, elite play driving impacts and other nerd shit, and there's a check mark next to Adam Fox and an X next to Headman, and all the way down, it's check marks next to Adam Fox and X's next to Victor Headman. For, for things like starts more of his shifts in the defensive zone. And he even blocked more shots. And then near the end, it's fuck it, plus minus. And the only thing that has a check mark next to Hedman and an X next to Adam Fox is, is Victor Hedman. So basically, Victor Hedman has been having uh, a really down year by his standards. Uh, the Lightning do have a more positive shot share with him off the ice. And there has been some speculation that he has played hurt at certain times. Uh, so I don't have Hedman on my, on my ballot. I have Adam Fox, number one. I have Kale McCarr, number two. Uh, and I might have put him number one if he didn't miss a big chunk of time. I have Dougie Hamilton at number three. He's been absolutely dominant. Um, and it shows in the, uh, I mean, the Hurricanes clinched their division. Very impressive. And uh, Dougie Hamilton has been a massive part of that. I have Charlie McAvoy, number four as well. He's really come to the own, into his own. And with my number five, I didn't go with a homer pick. Uh, like Jeff Petrie, for example. But I did go with a, a personal bias pick of a different type. Got Ryan Pulak as my number five. All right. Uh, you might know 2013, the first year I ever paid close attention to the draft, I decided Ryan Pulak was my guy at the age of 11. I was like, Ryan Pulak, you just wait. He's going to be great. And I don't know why I clung on to him so hard, but I'm glad that I did uh, because he's been a total rock for the New York Islanders. Um, honestly, maybe even their MVP, that top pairing of Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak. They're both amazing. And they both deserve, and they're both going to get at least a couple Norris votes, I imagine. So I put Ryan Pulak there at number five on my Norris ballot. Ooh, a defensive defenseman. Don't see that much in the Norris race, uh, especially. But he scores two sometimes. What sixteen point? Wait, he scores two, as in he scored twice all season. Um, Is that what you're referring to? (laughs) Anyways, um, okay, Uh, yeah. So the the Hedman thing, yeah, I I think there's a a significant gap between Fox and Makar and Hedman. Um, especially in the last month, like Hedman. Yeah, I, I just saw actually, it seems that he's going to need surgery at the end of the season. So I don't know how long he's been playing Hurt, but he has been playing Hurt. Uh, but, mm. you know, uh, yeah, I think like the beginning, he had a very good beginning of the season, though. Am I mistaken? Do the do the stats not, do the advanced analytics not agree? Anyways, that was, that was the impression I got. And so, you know, and big name. Why not throw it in there? And yeah, McAvoy, I mean, like, you know, you had like Krug leave, you had Chara leave. And, you know, that defense looks really barren. Um, but he's been uh, a solid first pair of defense for them. And without him, they'd be completely fucked on the back end because there's nobody there for the Bruins. 
Uh, and yeah, fifth, I yeah, I can't really defend the fifth one. You know, just Petrie had uh, such a good start to the season. <laughs> Has he fallen off tremendously? Yes. But uh, did I want to throw a hab in my ballot? Also, yes. So here we are. Uh, of course. Let's let's go on to uh, the Vezina Trophy, and we'll end with the fun Calder. Um, I'll I'll read off mine first. Andre Vasilevsky is, appears to be the slam dunk winner on this one. Not much suspense there. I've got Connor Hellebuck number two, Mark Andre Fleury number three, who's had a kind of an incredible renaissance this season, especially with Robin Leonard having been uh, missing for long stretches of time. Thatcher Demko, that's my number four. Uh, he has been the sole reason that the Canucks aren't even worse than they are. I uh, remember Francesco Aquilini in the middle of the year was like, we're getting such amazing goaltending. Isn't that so cool? And it's like, wow, your underlying numbers are even worse than the Sabres. It's just that you have the amazing Thatcher Demko and they have uh, like sixth string, sixth, sixth string. Wow. Having a hard time speaking today. Goalies getting called up and being an upgrade on Carter Hutton. But anyway, uh, and then at number five, um, going with Philip Grubauer. All right. Uh, he was a he was great for my fantasy team this year. That came just barely short, uh, and not to mention he did it playing way too much without a good backup the entire time, carrying the load. And his numbers really speak for themselves. A great save percentage, a great goals against average, and you know I I really do think that when you have a goalie playing a lot and not really showing any signs of fatigue which, of course, we know he may end up showing in the long term. But just for this season, I think that's really impressive and deserves to be on a ballot. Okay. So let's... Yeah, there's some difference between our ballots, but the top is the same. I have uh, Vasilevsky. I don't think there's any contest there. Uh, And then I have Hellebuck because uh, it seems that the Jets' only strategy in their defensive end is, uh, yeah, okay, Connor will stop it. Uh, That seems to be it. Everybody else is devoid of talent. Uh, And then third place... I have someone you don't have on your ballot. I have UC Saros um, because, uh, yeah, he dragged the Preds to a playoff spot in that last little stretch. Uh, they've been completely ridiculous. Uh, frankly, because of Juicy, uh, UC, UC Saros? Um, yes, because of Saros. Juicy, <laughs> Juicy Saros. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Saros is third on my ballot. You know, like, you know, you drag a team that much for a team that had such, like, low playoff odds at one point before he started getting hot. Uh, I think, you know, Vezina nomination. I got Flurry fourth. Uh, with this uh, out-of-nowhere career rejuvenation teams. Uh, now he's the starter in Vegas. And then fifth place, I have rookie uh, Alex Nadalkovic because uh, his wow. stats have been insane. And he's played a solid workload of, what, like 20-plus games. Um, I think he has 22 now. And his save percentage is fucking ridiculous. He's got a sub-two goals against average. And so, yeah, a rookie in the fifth spot. I think the stats, I think it's really just like, has he played as much as Grubauer, say? No, but he has played a decent sample uh, sample size. He's been absolutely ridiculous, lights out, uh, every single time he's out there. I don't think he's played enough to get a goalie of the year vote. I don't know. Like, I think Leonard was nominated a couple years ago only playing like 45 games, which is slightly more than half the season. And even then, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know if he played enough. Nadalchkovic... Uh, less than half. He's played like I think around 22 games. And I was looking, and I'm like, yeah, you got to at least play more than half the games, my opinion, and play like you know, because otherwise you can't really say that you're the starting goalie. Like you could say you can make the argument easily. I think that Alex Nedeljkovic right now for the Hurricanes is like number two on the depth chart. I think maybe I haven't been keeping close enough tabs with them, but I think he's been. When Peter Mrazek is healthy, which I know hasn't been that often, I'm pretty sure he's been their go-to. So that's why I have a hard time voting for uh, 
putting Nadeljkovic on the, the, the Vezina ballot and didn't really even consider it that much. Saros was my number six. Uh, and now I'm curious to see where you have him on your on your, your Calder ballot. Uh, yeah, up there, up there. But, uh, you know, like, the thing is, right, like, Mrazic is, first of all, right now, as it stands, the way I see it is that they're very much a 1A, 1B tandem right now in, in Carolina. And, you know, Mrazic's been injured for so long. Uh, well, like, you know, a significant chunk of the season. Reimer hasn't been particularly good. And so the way Nadelkovic has been playing, I mean, look at the Hurricanes. What are they? Are they uh, the President's Trophy winner? Favorites? Favorites is them against oh, the uh, the Golden Knights, right? Or the Golden Knights mm-hmm. or the Avalanche. And so, you know, it's... Yeah, he's really dragged them up there. Like, without that, you know, they... I don't think they're, they win their division. I don't think they're in the, you know, talks for home ice advantage throughout the playoffs. Like, uh, like who knows what... If, if Nadelkovic wasn't good... And Razik was out for so long, like if they had to rely on James freaking Reimer, like, you know, I'm not saying they'd miss the playoffs because that division is kind of really bad, but I don't think they see nearly as much success as they have. And even if it is only 22 games, those 22 games were so damn good. I mean, over 930, that's completely ridiculous. Uh, so anyways, that's why he's fifth. Um, okay, right. so let's go to the Calder. Let's go to the Calder. The Calder. Um, the Calder. Uh, number one. We have uh, Kirill. Kap- I have Kirill Kaprizov. I uh, don't think it's close. Uh, I mean, apparently, apparently, the Calder talk between him and Robertson uh, got him even more motivated or whatever. And well, apparently, it worked because here he is. He's being absolutely ridiculous, especially in the last couple of weeks. Uh, number two, I have Nadalkovic here. Do I pronounce the J? Um, Nadalkovic. Um, yeah, for the reasons stated above. Uh, number three, I have Jason Robertson, and then I. Uh, I threw in a couple goalies in there. Um, I, I threw in Chesterkin uh, as, as fourth because, you know, I had a hard time picking who the hell am I going to put on my Calder ballot. Like, you know, the I thought, yeah. So, and then I threw in Kevin Lankinen because has he been dog shit recently? Yes. But is he the only reason the Blackhawks aren't in the, uh, at, at the very basement of their division and they're within like what, 10 points of a playoff spot? Yes, that's a big gap, but they were in there for a while. Yeah, I give, and he was on my fantasy team. So shout out to Kevin Lankinen. You stretch. get my fifth place Calder. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just to be clear, Kevin Lankinen isn't the reasons the, the the reason the Blackhawks weren't worse. It's just that he overachieved, and that overachieving helped them, you know, get out of the not be in the basement. Because really, it's it's Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinkit, uh that were the, the reasons why the Blackhawks weren't. But I, I know what you were saying. Anyway, you know, you're talking about Nadelchkovic. You make some very valid points. I've decided to move him up my Calder ballot from number five to number four. Um, and you'll see who I knocked down in a, in a minute. I've got Kirill Kaprizov number one as well. But I think it's much closer between Kirill Kaprizov and Jason Robertson than you're giving it credit for. Um, Jason Robertson has been an offensive dynamo. And uh, just like Kaprizov has been, especially as of late, you know, Robertson's really heated up like in the second half of the year. Um, the thing I think that separates them is that Kaprizov is doing it with uh, a much worse supporting cast, whereas Jason Robertson, you know, has been on a line with Rupi Hintz, who's had an incredible year for throughout most of his time. Kirill Kaprizov center is, I think, like Victor Rask or something like that. So that makes what he's doing all the more impressive. I've got Igor Shesterkin at number three, and now Nadelchevic at number four. The reason I give Shesterkin the edge, you know, even though his stats aren't quite as flashy, is that he has been the unquestioned starting goalie the whole time. And the Rangers have been very good, even though they haven't made the playoffs. They, I think, would have made it in 
at, at least one other division. Uh, and you see, like, the, their goal differential also is, like, one of the best for a team that missed the playoffs in a very long time. So this is a playoff-caliber team in New York, and Chesterkin is a big part of that. Uh, Nadelchevic, I got number four. And I got Josh Norris number five instead of Kevin Lankinen. I was, I was going between... Uh, I was thinking about, like, should Ty Smith be on the ballot? I don't know. I ended up going with Josh Norris, uh, especially because of the Sens hot streak as of late. Josh Norris has, you know, kind of established himself as a really key contributor right away in his rookie season. He's been the top-line center pretty much the whole time with uh, with Brady Kachuk and Drake Batherson. And maybe he's not, like, going to be an elite first-line center long-term. Maybe they hope, like, Tim Stutzel uh, eventually develops into that role. But as a really strong second line center long term, I think Josh Norris can uh, can be that for sure. So there's my number five Calder pick. All right, yeah, Norris is uh, was going to be number six. He was a nice, yeah, very nice season for a team that was uh, well better than expected. Let's say you know some they have some spoiler, they've had their spoiler days uh, in the North. Okay, all right, so you know. Solid heart, uh, solid ballots we've got going, and uh, uh, so I don't know, I don't know where to take it from here. Um, is it time for the quiz? Yes, it is time for the quiz. I have a quiz for you this week, and it's quite similar in a lot of ways to another quiz I prepared for you earlier this season. Uh, I imagine that first quiz was around the opening game of the season. Do you remember the quiz I made for you about? all the Montreal Canadiens season openers of the past 10 years or so. Yes. The absolutely ridiculous quiz where I was expected to pull names out of my ass. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I have one. That's pretty much exactly like that, except for the last games of the season, (laughs) since the Canadians last game of the season is coming up this week. Uh, I've, I've made it last night, like during the intermissions of the game and looking back at it this morning, I was like, Hmm, this seems maybe a little bit too challenging. So I think, that it would be maybe fair to set the threshold at six for today, six on 10 instead of seven. <laughs> okay. All right. Sure. All right. Let's work <sighs> our way backwards in chronological order. So this, this will be, this is a multiple choice quiz as well. Uh, and we're going to start with uh, an unconventional last game this season, because we didn't know it was the last at the time it was being played last year. Of course, March 10th, 2020 Montreal lost four, two to the Nashville predators. And your question is, who scored Montreal's last goal of the game? So their second goal. <laughs> uh, all Wait, what all the these fuck? players were in the game, by the way. All these players were playing for Montreal. Was it A, Charles Houdon, B, Lucas Vedamo, C, Jordan Wheel, or D, Dale Weiss? Uh, fascinating. Okay, so basically you gave me a bunch of scrubs. All right, so let's let's read them. Can you read the game? Can you read the names again? Uh, Charles Udon, Lucas Vedamo, Jordan Wheel, or Dale Weiss? Ah, Jesus Christ. Um, okay. Don't think it was Dale Weiss. Who was the third guy? Jordan Jordan Wheel. Wheel? Jordan Wheel. All right. One of the first three guys. Uh, it down? Ah, what the hell? I got the feeling... Oh, it's one. I think it's one of the first two guys. I think it's either uh, Udon or Vedamo. I'm gonna go Charles Udon. Incorrect. The answer is Lucas Vedamo. Oh um, no. Scored. Yep. Sorry, he scored the last goal of Montreal's regular season last year. Uh, 
So you're 0 for 1. Moving on, April 6, 2019. Montreal's 6-5 shootout win over the Maple Leafs. Ryan Paling, of course, scored the shootout winner. Who was the only other Canadian who scored in the shootout? All these players were in the game. Is it A, Jonathan Drouin, B, Thomas Tatar, C, Max Domi, or D, Jordan Wheel? Okay. All right. So, yeah, this quiz is absolutely ridiculous. I'm just uh, sniping, it seems. Uh, names out of a hat. One out of four. Was I expect- really expected to remember who scored the winning shootout goal in a freaking last game of the season two years ago? That's, that's absurd. Um, okay, no, so who the are they again? Not oh, the winning shootout goal. Not the All right. Sorry, the, the, the other shootout goal. All right, yes, my, my yeah, apologies. The, the, the non-important shootout goal of a game uh, from two years fuck. ago. Uh, okay. Was it A, Jonathan Drouin, Thomas Tatar, Max Domi, or Jordan Wheel? Okay, I think it's either Tatar or Drouin. I don't see uh, fucking Jordan Wheel in the shootout. I don't see Max Domi scoring. So, um, uh, let's go. Let's go Drouin. I think, yeah, Drouin. Jonathan Drouin. Ding, ding, ding. Final Correct. Ooh, you got it. Nice. Jonathan Drouin is the right answer. You're one for two. You're killing it. All right. Oh, hell wow. yeah. Oh, I can't believe. Oh, wow. I'm really sorry. These questions are impossible. I'm not sure what I was thinking. <laughs> anyway. Okay. April 7th. <laughs> April 7th, 2018. Uh, Montreal loses 4-2 to the Maple Leafs. Which, <laughs> there's no way you're going to This is going to be a total shot in the dark. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Right. Oh, oh, as if as if the other two haven't been shots in the dark, but okay. No, All right, this one going. even more so. This is gonna drive you insane. All right. Which of these <laughs> players did not, which of these players who all played in the game did not score a point for the Canadians? Was it A Byron Fraze, B Daniel Carr, <laughs> C Michael McCarron, or D Kirby Reichel? <laughs> oh, fucking can you kidding me? What is this? What is this cloud show? Um, <laughs> I was distracted. <sighs> okay. <laughs> and here you are. Uh, let's flash back to last week. After I did my, I gave, I gave you my quiz. You got 10 out of 10. And you're like, oh, yeah, maybe next week we'll see an easier quiz. Let me reciprocate the easy quiz uh, All right. th- trend okay, going okay. on. And I'm here so, we are. You- and I was supposed to pick between Byron Phrase. And a bunch of scrubs. As if Byron Fraser is also one of the scrubs. All right. All right. Here we go. Uh, uh, knock it down to five on who? ten. It's the threshold. There we go. Oh, well, so generous of you. Wow. All right. So, okay. okay. <laughs> I only so have which, to. Which, I only have to. What, what's that? I only have to double my odds uh, from one out of four. Anyways, go ahead. What are you saying? Yeah, so so the which player did not score a point in this game? It was a four-two loss. Byron Fraze, Daniel Carr, Michael McCarron, or Kirby Reichel. Were they all playing? All of them were playing in the game. <laughs> uh, I don't know what's sadder, this question or the fact that they were all playing. <laughs> um, all right. Uh fuck. So they three of them scored a point in this one game. Yes, in a four-to-two loss. <laughs> what the fuck? All right. Um, okay. Well, I guess I might as well pick a name out of the hat. Uh, okay. Let's try. Let's try to like. Uh, let's try to question. Let's try to analyze the question. All right. So I think Kirby Reichel scored because it's such a nobody name that he had to have scored for you to include him in the quiz in the four. Um. Uh, I think it's all. 
Yeah. Uh, is it Daniel Carr? Yeah, I get I get Daniel Carr vibes here. I'm gonna go Daniel Carr. Final answer. Daniel Carr scored a goal in this game. I'm sorry oh my to say. God. A goal? Answer, Holy shit. The, yeah, a goal. And McCarron and Reichel got assists. The answer is Byron Frey. On the same goal? I don't know. I oh, just okay. look at the game sheet. Uh, that uh, That is a good question, enough. though. All right. So you are now sitting at one for three. As we move on to April 8th, 2017. This one is a little bit more straightforward. Uh, Montreal okay. beat Detroit 3-2 to two in overtime. Who scored the overtime winner for Montreal? Was it A, Andrew right. Shaw, B, Paul Byron, C, Steve Ott, or D, Alex Galchenyuk? <laughs> Steve Ott. That's funny. Uh, they were yeah, all playing. I don't see Steve Ott in the fucking three-on-three. Uh, that would be absurd. Now, um, all right. Wait, 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 wait a second. Okay. All right. Wait. Oh, I noticed also that you, the first three answers, all the correct answers were the first name that you listed. So let's let's hear the names again. Uh, that's not true. Uh, it was Lucas Vedemo oh. uh, for the ah. first one was the second name. So far, it's okay. been B-A-A. Uh, right. All right. So the names here, we got Andrew Shaw, Paul Byron, Steve Ott, and Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, okay. It's either Byron or Galchenyuk, I feel, just based on uh, likelihood that they would even be on the ice at three on three. So, uh, yeah, I think Galchenyuk's more likely to score. All right, I'll pick Alex Galchenyuk. Correct. You are two for four. Wow. You are on pace. Incredible. I'm beating, I'm beating the odds. <laughs> All right. Okay. Oh, no. All right. We have another ridiculous question that you have no hope of having. Oh, son of a bitch. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> April 9th, 2016, a 5-2 win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Which defenseman nice. was not playing for Montreal? Oh, no. Was it A? Yikes. Was it A, Darren Dietz? B, Joel Hanley, <laughs> C, Morgan Ellis, or D, Ryan Johnston? <laughs> Who is Morgan Ellis, bro? What is this? Um, Who? Okay. All right. I'm going to guess Morgan Ellis because I literally have never heard of this man. <laughs> Correct. Morgan Ellis did not play in that game. Oh, but- yeah, let's go. <laughs> But he Does did he play exist? three games. <laughs> he did play three games for Montreal <laughs> that season. Oh, what the fuck! Wait, say those. Th- who are the three guys who played? Darren Dietz, Darren Dietz, Joel, Joel Hadley, and, and some, and Ryan Johnston were all in that game. All right. Ryan, well, the Habs defense Johnston. might be bad now, but at least it's not Darren Dietz <laughs> bad. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> at least Joel Hanley's uh, not your number Christ. four. The other, the other three defensemen who played in that game were Andre Markov, Alexi Yemelin, and Greg Greg Patteron. So dark days mm. for the Canadians that year. Jesus. All right. <laughs> All right. So okay. you are now three All for right. five as we move on to April wow. 11th, 2000. Incredible. This is yeah, the good wildest thing. April All 11th, right. 2015. Montreal's 4-3 win over Toronto in the shootout. Only Who is the only Canadians player... You had under 10 minutes of time on ice. All these players were in the game. Was it A, mm. Jacob Delarose, okay. B, Devontae Smith-Pelly, C, Brian Flynn, or D, P.A. Parento? Uh, huh. All right, let's let's see. Okay, so so let's let's hear the names again. Jacob Delarose, Devontae Smith-Pelly, Brian Flynn, P.A. Parento. Wow, 
Out of those four, what year is this again? <laughs> this is the last game of the 14-15 season, April 11th, 2015. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so Here the see, Canadians finished second, so second in the league in the regular season. <laughs> <laughs> and they had these four fucking losers on the ice? Shocker. Yeah, All right. Smith Pally, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh. Of course. Uh, so Smith Pally, I'm pretty sure he, uh, he played significant time. I don't think it's him. Um, Parento, like, you know, you give him some ice time, pump his tires. So it's it's either, uh, who is it? Delarose or Flynn? Those are the other two. Uh, who's more likely to have less ice time? Brian Flynn, honestly. All right, I'm going to say Brian Flynn. Correct. Once again, maybe this quiz isn't as hard Hi, as I yeah, thought. Let's go. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. You're four versus nice. All right. So one more this correct answer, and you've met the the revised fifty percent threshold. Oh, this was a fun. How I might even meet the original it. one. Oh, yeah, it's right. possible. Okay. What is it? All right. This, this one's fun. All right. April 12, twenty fourteen. Montreal wins against the Rangers, one nothing in overtime. Brian Gionta scored the winning goal on a penalty shot in overtime. Which former Hab committed the infraction? Was it A? By the way, these <laughs> players were not. These players were not all playing for the Rangers at the time. Was it A. Benoit Pouliot, B. Maxim Lapierre, C. Jeff Halpern, or D. Rafael Diaz? Wait, wait, wait. So one of these guys played on the Rangers. Not all of them, and one of them, and they were playing for the Rangers, and they committed the infraction. Um. Well, more than uh, they were not all playing for the Rangers in this game. Ah, I see. Okay, but one of them was, and they committed the infraction. They, I assume, did something to Brian Gionta that warranted a penalty shot. Okay. Yes, that that right. is it. So let's hear the names again. Let me evaluate Benoit, where we're at. All right, Benoit Pouliot. Okay. Maxime Lapierre, Jeff Halpern, Rafael Diaz. All right. So the one guy who jumps out at me for having played for the Rangers is Benoit Pouliot. All the other ones may have, but I certainly don't remember. So I'm gonna go with Benoit Pouliot. Benoit Pouliot was playing for the Rangers into this game, but he was not the one who oh, committed no. the infraction. That was Rafael okay. Diaz, um, who was in a, <laughs> going through a very short stint with the Rangers <laughs> during this time. You are now, what are you, four for seven? <laughs> okay. All right, All right, four for seven. Okay, let's, this, let's next, one, this next one is... Here we go. This next one is by far the easiest question on this quiz. I even wrote layup question next oh. to it. Uh, ah. so April 27th, 2013, Montreal beats Toronto four to one, which Hab was wearing the highest number. Was it Lars Eller, Andre Markov, Ryan White, or Francis Bouillon? Okay. Uh, all right. So, so it's not Bouillon. I'm pretty sure it was like 51. Um, what that was Markov's number? Like. It was 79. Eller was 81, if I'm not mistaken. And so who's the fourth player that I haven't evaluated yet? Ryan White. Uh, Okay. Um, So it's either 81 Ryan Miller, uh, Lars Eller, 
or Ryan, Ryan White? Where did Ryan Miller come from? <laughs> Lars Eller or Ryan White? Uh, what the hell am I? Oh, Jesus. I don't know what Ryan White freaking number is. Uh, so, hmm. Well, if it's a layup, I assume that I'm just supposed to assume that Lars Eller, considering that he wore like 81, was a higher number. So I'm going to go with Lars Eller, 81. You are correct. Ryan White's number was 53, oh. I'm pretty sure. Francis okay. Bouillon, by the way, you were wrong about that. He wore 55. Uh, oh. David Darnay was wearing 51 for most of his tenure. Uh, so good work. Five for eight. And if you get these last two, you could even get all the way to seven on ten. It's still within reach for you. Uh, and to be honest, I think I'm you can do it. Feet. I think I, I think this quiz is getting slightly easier as it goes along. Um, this I next question. So. Okay, yeah. Well. April 7th, 2012. Montreal, another 4-1 win over Toronto. Which Hab scored his first goal of the season in this game? Was it A, Aaron Palushai, B, Brad Stobitz, C, Blake Jeffreyon, or D, Chris Campoli? They were all playing, by the way. <laughs> okay. All right. Who is this collection of absolute losers? Um, okay, so let's hear it again. I, I just I only remember the first one, Aaron Palushai. Who else? All right, we got Aaron Palushai, Brad Stobitz, Blake Jeffreyon, Chris Campoli. Who are all these people? Um, all right. I all assume they all had like, you know, zero to two goals. Uh, what the fuck? Polushai. Brad Stobitz. I've never heard of a fucking guy named Brad Stobitz. <laughs> if he scored an NHL goal, I would be, I'd be fucking surprised. Um, who was the other one? Was it the Jeffrey on guy? Yeah, Blake Did Jeffrey. He have noted on. hockey descendants. All right, yes, and then exactly. who's the fourth guy? Chris Campoli. Ah, I remember that name. Um, okay, all right. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it's Stobitz because I, uh, I, 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 you said everybody played, but I doubt he even exists. Um, uh, Jeffrey, I don't know if he ever scored, ever. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, the other guy. Yeah, I'm going to go with Aaron Palushai. Um, sadly, you're incorrect. Uh, one of these four players Thanks. was picked up on waivers on deadline day from the Anaheim Ducks, had zero goals, total goon, total scrub, just fought, got a bunch of penalty minutes, and scored into the empty net in the dying moments of this game. And that player is Brad Stobitz. Brad Stobitz. Oh, <laughs> uh, fuck it. All right. Of course. Of course. I should have known. What is this? Ah, uh, goddamn. All right. Yeah, I Brad remember because that year was absolutely terrible for the Canadians, and I remember thinking like, "Oh, I hope Brad Stoppitz gets a goal," and then he did in the last game, and I was like, "Yay!" <laughs> anyway, all right, Yikes. you're five for nine. Here we go. Final question: April 9, twenty eleven. Uh, another four-one win for Montreal over Toronto. The first of three Ooh, in a row four-one wins over Toronto oh to end the season. Okay. Hello. Uh, which defenseman was not in this game? Uh, kind of similar to a question about another year. A. Roman Hammerlick. B. Ryan O'Byrne. C. Brent Sopel. Or D. Paul Mara. All right, let's let's hear the list again. Roman Hammerlick. Ryan O'Byrne. Brent Sopel. Paul Mara. Jesus Christ. Okay, so this is what two thousand and eleven. You said. Yes. 
Uh, okay, so uh, trying to think of the uh, NHL 2K10 I own on the Wii um, and see uh, who the hell is on the team there. So, wait, were they all on the team? Are you willing to disclose this? Uh, yes, they all played for the team this season. Okay. All right, very vague. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. So 2011, where I have to like go back literally 10 years to do this. Um, so here we go. I'm Hammerlick was a pretty sure he was the mainstay on that team. Um, so yeah, he unless he was injured. Um, Paul Mara probably still playing like decent minutes. So it's down to Ryan O'Byrne or Brent Sopel. Fuck man, Brent Sopel. That's a name. That's a blast from the past. Um, as in like <laughs> I didn't know. I it rings a bell. I didn't remember the bell existed. Um, okay. Uh, so yeah, with that, with that in mind, I should probably pick him. I will pick Brent Sopel. Final answer. The answer is Ryan O'Byrne did not play in this game. No. Uh, so you end with a, with a five on 10 score in this really difficult quiz that was much too challenging that I kind of apologize, but also (laughs) don't care. (laughs) Imagine if you had made me pull it out of my ass instead of multiple choice. Yeah, I'd be just sitting like, here at name, zero. Well, well, I mean, uh, to be to be fair, like some of these questions, for example, which defenseman was not in this game would be much easier without the multiple choice, uh, because you <laughs> can name any defenseman that wasn't in the game. Um, but yeah, I also I learned, point. I learned that Paul Mara is the current head coach of the Boston Pride of the NWHL, and also currently holds the record for oh. the winningest head coach in NWHL history. So that's an interesting, fun Palmera fact. Uh, which every time I say that name, I feel like I'm mispronouncing Palmieri. But anyway, uh, that's the end of this week's episode. Do you have any final thoughts? No, uh, I have no final thoughts. I'm just going to lay down and uh, enjoy my fantasy victory. All right, fine. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this week's Fusion and Hockey podcast. We'll be back next week. The Canadians' regular season will be done at that point. And if the playoff picture is fully confirmed, which I think it may be, there's a good chance we're going to be filling out some brackets, making some predictions. There's always a fun time. So see you then.